Welcome to Philly Sports Now, a Philadelphia fan podcast. I'm Nick, joined with you today by our good friend Andrew Santangelo, as we are here to break down a incredible start to a series, start to the playoffs for the Philadelphia 76ers, as they are currently up three games to none on the Washington D.C. Wizards. Um, but of course, uh, we're in, we're anticipating it to be up four no, four none tonight and a, a clean sweep and get out the brooms. I hope I don't jinx it, but I don't think I will. Um, so yeah, the Sixers are starting start the playoffs off in an incredible way. They they look absolutely unstoppable when it comes to the the, the series against the Wizards. Um, they have no hope or a prayer on how to stop Joel Embiid, but. You know, I think it goes way beyond that. Ben Simmons has played incredible. Tobias Harris is obviously doing well. Um, you have Seth Curry who, who hitting threes when he needs to. Uh, and, of course, I, personally, I think the bench has seriously showed up this series. Not that they needed to, but when they come in to basically play the fourth quarter because we don't need to play the fourth quarter <laughs> anymore, they look good. So I think there's been nothing but positives to take away. Um, Andrew, I'll let you kind of take us off. I'm just trying to set the stage. Um, and of course, after the Sixers, we'll get into some Phillies uh, drama, as it always is. It's never clean and, and nice with the Phillies, it seems like. And some Eagles drama, because <laughs> that never seems clean and nice either. But let's stick to what's the good positivity in Philadelphia right now, and that's the 76ers. So, Andrew, start us off. What, do you, what are you feeling? I'm feeling a sweep. I, I, coming into the series, I honestly thought uh, there'd be a game the Wizards steal. You know, you just have that Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook game where they go off and, you know, Beal drops his 50 points or whatever he is, that 50-point game we see time to time from certain stars so they don't get swept. But like you uh, mentioned on the open there, uh, they have no answer for Jerome Bede. They have no answer for Tobias Harris, and they have no answer for Ben Simmons. So really, essentially, I think this, this series ends. We're recording this on Monday night uh, before Game 4, so I think it ends here this evening, as you listeners will find out on Tuesday. And I think we'll be talking about the, the sweep. I really do believe that. Like you said, uh, before I get into the main guys, like you said, the bench has done its job. And I think that's kind of where you saw it lack in the regular season is when the Sixers did go up big, the bench would uh, let teams back in the game and the starters would have to come back in and kind of close it out. But so far this series, you have not had to have that. These guys have went out there, done their job, and and uh, closed the game out and let these guys rest in the fourth quarter. Um, and I think that goes to show uh, where this team's kind of developed. And I think it's a big big, uh, huge step these last two games. And I mean, I think we were texting Nick back and forth and I think I, I, I brought up, I was like, six are going to have three guys get 30 points. But then I didn't even think about how not one of them was going to play in the fourth quarter. So they, none of them got 30 points. Cause not one of the, not one of the three Simmons and B and Harris played in the fourth quarter. So, right. No, exactly. And, and, and what's even more astonishing Andrew, not to cut you off, but in the last game, I think, what did you say? Three guys could have hit 30. In the last game, five guys could have hit 30. Because you're looking at the final the final scoring. Tobias hit 32. Danny Green had 26. Joel Embiid had 28. Ben Simmons had 30. And Seth Curry had 27. You had all those guys <laughs> who were... And they obviously didn't play the whole game, right? So all, yeah. you would have had five guys with 30-plus 30, 30 points if they would have played this whole game, which is absolutely incredible. 
It is. It's insane. And it's unbelievable the way these guys are shooting. Uh, they're, sh- they're shooting the lights out right now. And I think that's what's incredible. And uh, I know it's two completely different games, but it kind of reminds me of when you watch the March Madness and you see a college team get hot and kind of not miss there when they go on to win the March Madness. And they get, and that's just kind of where this team seems to be right now. It seems like everything in the world is clicking for them. I, I think it's, it is the Wizards. So I'm trying to stay somewhat relaxed a little bit just because obviously it's going to get tougher as you go on. You are facing a team that was below 500 coming into the playoffs. So I think we do have to keep that in mind as well as we go forward in these next two next series where obviously you're going to play a tougher opponent. But I mean, you just, I mean, you'll get the domination and we'll go back real quick that, I mean, the last, uh, this was game two, only four lead changes, one tie. It's, it's just like incredible. And, and like, that just shows how much, this team's dominated throughout the game. And the same thing to be said with, I mean, I don't know if you, I don't know what you thought about game three, but I was watching that and it was just incredible. Um, it was just now, like, this, this team is, is doing big things. I think they're, they're I think they're hitting their, I mean, look, they, I think they're hitting their stride a couple months ago. You know, they kind of got in a groove. Um, but also I want to point out that I was misreading their points. I don't know why. <laughs> As their minutes played, but they did a very good job, and that was the point <laughs> I was trying to make. <laughs> um, um, I, I will ask uh, next time he's on. I will ask Luke for a uh, apology on uh, Tobias Harris. I mean, uh, I oh think, yeah, uh, <laughs> from, from the start of the season, you mean, that, right? That, yeah, that, that preseason uh, argument yeah. we had. Uh, and I, I want Luke to apologize on Furcon fr- fr- too. Luke, Luke was a Furcon <laughs> hater, and I don't get the Furcon hate. The dude comes in like he's he is what he is. He's but he he'll, oh drain a couple threes. He gets you like, you know, I don't know, a, a decent couple buckets a game, and uh, and I, I, you know, I think he he has stuff to offer. I think so. Not that I want to point out any negativity, but it could just be me. But it seems like, you know, uh, Shake Milton is not playing at his best right now. And does that con- do you agree, disagree, and does that concern you for, like you said, the next series as as we're you know, going to be playing a tougher opponent? I 1,000% agree with what you said about Shake. Um, the only reason why I'm not as worried as I would have thought I would have been if we said this, said that statement like three week, two, three weeks ago is because of the rookie, Tyrese Maxey, how well he's come in and played. And I think you, you actually, I think we saw that in game three where Shake Milton lost his minutes. Maxey, I mean, Shake Milton was the guy that always came off the bench first. Last game, they had Maxey come off first. It was Maxey that came in and uh, played for Shake, and Maxey continues to play well. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I would have thought I would have been worried, but with the way Maxie's handled the ball, uh, took over, takes over the offense, the way he's played defense as well, he's kept you afloat as well, I'm going to sit here and say I'm not as worried. No, and uh, the vet, and that's what the second round, I might be a little worried just because, again, he is a rookie, so we'll see how each higher stage gets to him. But I'll tell you what, he's playing like a veteran right now. I would have never guessed he was a rookie if – you looked at him playing right now in the first series, but so to answer your question, no, I'm honestly not as worried or not worried just because of Maxi. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I agree with you, and I I feel for I feel for Shake because you know it's a bizarre thing to me. It seems like he was in the running for sixth man of the year for most of the year, yep. and then it's almost like he fell fell off a cliff at the end of this towards the end of the season, and now in the playoffs he's just not right, you know. And I hope I hope he can. I hope for his sake he can he can shake it off. <laughs> uh, sorry. There you go. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I hope for his sake he can he can uh, 
put this series behind him and really, you know, find his stride in the next, find his footing in the next series. But like you said, if he doesn't, I hate to say it, if he doesn't, it seems like Maxie's right there to take his spot and he's ready to go. And, you, you know, you got to admire Maxie for that. And it's got to boost your confidence for the next series is going in. Yeah, I love Shake Milton, but I, I think to yeah, your point, you, you have a coach here that, listen, he's been here before. He's won a championship. He's been in the playoffs every year. He's not going to, I mean, he's not going to hold back whether you're a rookie or not. Like, he, he's he's going to go here and win the championship. So, like you said, I'm like, unfortunate for Shake, his spot uh, here in, in the uh, rotation for the end of this year could be in jeopardy just because of, uh, or not in jeopardy, obviously, at some type of minutes, just not as much as he used to get uh, here with with what the way uh, Max is playing. But I think that goes to show, real quick, we'll give a shout-out to the new front office there last year and how well they aced that draft last year and you talk about grabbing maxi and grabbing some of these other guys in the draft you trade one of your picks uh later picks in that draft for uh seth curry which obviously he's been phenomenal so a lot of credit to that front office for finding these depth guys as well that we haven't seen and we haven't seen since the whole like obviously you got the big key guys here the last couple years but i think this year you finally got that next piece yeah, I think I think beyond the next piece, it's like they've completed the team. They completed the roster this year, and that was something that they've never been able to do in the past. And there's always been a problem. I think the new coach was a has obviously has a huge part uh, uh, part in this too. Um, but yeah, like you said, this the whole front office in general. I mean, you know, I know every, everybody loves, of course, um, y- y- you know how the process went and. Um, you know, they love Sam Hankey and, and what he did for the, for the team. And, and look, I get it. But to your point, like, 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 so Hankey got you Embiid and I mean, really he got you Embiid and Simmons, right? So obviously those are, those are, the, those are your team. Don't get me wrong. But this front office came in this past off season and basically reshaped the rest of this roster in a way that took this from being, oh, a team with two all-star players on it to a really good team. You know, like, like, like as a whole, every front to bottom, I mean, top to bottom, there's not a single guy that goes on the court and I'm like, oh no, not him. You know what I mean? Like, like, Mm -hmm. like, like I know Luke doesn't like Furcon and yeah, I guess when Furcon's out there, you know, and you start to get those guys out and, you know, obviously I'm not as excited, but, but I I can't say that I'm worried and they look fine to me. Like, like, and like you said, Maxie's playing, you know, out of his mind. Um, I, I think Shake will, will come back next series. I, I think he's going to be able to give you a good time. At, you know, I don't think this is going to be a forever thing that he's just going to be in a slump for the whole playoffs. Um, and, and I think, I think you know, we talked about it at the beginning of the season, but adding Dwight Howard has been fen- like phenomenally huge um, for this roster. To to yeah. to add him, like you said, Seth, Danny Green, these guys, you know, those two, you know, two of those guys already having won championships in the past. Um, bringing that kind of veteran leadership to this team, I mean, it, it, I think it does way more than you see on the court, you know. And, and I think that this team, I, I think the sky's the limit of this team. They can win it all this year. I mean, I really do believe that. Uh, you know, it, 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 it'll it'll be interesting to see what what they get in the next round. And if you're ready to ready to go, I you know I'd like to talk talk next round a little bit. As of right now, it looks like that Sixers are going to be playing the Hawks. And uh, how do you feel about that? I mean, I, personally. I'm not worried about the Hawks or the Knicks. I mean, I, there was like a lot of Knicks hype going into the playoffs, and I really didn't understand why. <laughs> I think it was just because they're the New York Knicks and people wanted the Knicks to be exciting again. But like, I, I, I'm not at all concerned about the by the Knicks, and I'm definitely not concerned by the Hawks. 
Um, but maybe that's just me being uh, too optimistic. But I'll let you kind of give your thoughts on on where you think the series will be next. I agree. The Knicks hype was because they haven't been in the playoffs in a while, and they finally had a team that was going to win a game. And you know, they win one playoff game. I think it was the first time since the early 2010, uh, 10, 10, 11, something like that. So I think that's that had a lot to do with it. Julius Randle's been playing better this year, but no, I think even if the Knicks come back and win that series, so, um, which one would surprise them, but even if they do, I think you're running into a similar team between the uh, Hawks and Knicks. Then you're kind of facing this uh, this series. You're, you're going to get in, in the Hawks. Trey Young obviously can go out there and drop 50 in the game with how well he can go out there and shoot. I, I don't think that team top to bottom is going to uh, come out of here and uh, win four games against you. I would see that game. I don't think you're going to sweep the Hawks. I think you'll see a five or six game series in that end. But I don't. I don't. To say to say I'd be concerned about the Hawks winning. Did you say four. sweep. We're going to sweep the Hawks. No, no, no. Put your hands together. Um, yeah. I, I think Andrew uh, called me here. Big sweep. Back to no, back sweep. We're sweeping at night. I'm not going to say enough <laughs> sweep. Sorry. All right, all right, all right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Play a song. <laughs> Play the song. No, I agree but, with you, man. I, I, I think, I, I think you know Trey Young can go off. He'll, he can have a fifty point night, but what's that going to do for that team? In my opinion, against the Sixers, exactly. like let him get, let him get fifty. I yeah. mean, because they might only have sixty points. At, you know, <laughs> like like I, I'm not, I'm not at all worried. I'm not afraid. I'll say sweep. They'll sweep the Hawks too. They're going to go back to back sweeps. So that's going to be yeah, I hope so, man. All the rest you can for that Eastern Conference Final Series because that is going to be a battle. Um, that that will be the battle of the century that's, uh, for the six no matter Either of the teams you play, it's going to be. Yeah. I, personally, I, yeah. I, I, I've been called crazy a couple times for it, but I'm not backing down from it. Uh, personally, I think the Bucks are going to beat the Nets. Um, so I think I think that's going to be Eastern Conference Finals. It's going to be six or Bucks. And I mean, I think either way, it's going to be a, a battle. It's going to be six or seven games, and we'll see what happens. But we'll we'll, we'll preview that series when we get there to see who which t- Nets Bucks team wins there. But yeah, like you said, the Hawks went up three one the other day, so you kind of know that will probably be your second round opponent there. I do hope the Knicks can steal a couple more games because obviously they can uh, kind of wear out the Hawks a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether we even if we think it's going to be an easier series, um, hopefully kind of wear and tear them a little bit more. But no, I think, uh, listen, I, I think I'm ready to say it. And I don't know if you'll disagree with me, but I think I got to give. I mean, I think MB and Simmons have taken that next step uh, in terms of maturity. I mean, you obviously want Simmons to take that jumper still, but in terms of maturity and everything and on the court and off the court, I think uh, they really have taken the next step uh, with this group. And I think, You've seen it, especially from a beat, obviously, in MVP season. But from Simmons, too, just his work ethic, I think you saw saw them really take the next level. And I think that's kind of what you get when you go through that process years. You get those younger guys that don't really know what's going on yet. And listen, I'm going to throw this out there, too. Maybe, obviously, last year it didn't. But maybe the whole, quote-unquote, COVID season helped this team because they weren't allowed to do some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it kind of did make them mature a little bit uh, as a group there. And like you said, obviously Howard and Green. But no, I think this team's got everything they need to win a championship. They got the veteran leadership. They got talent. They got coaching. They, they got everything. And we obviously have home court up until the finals. We'll see who you get. And then, then home court will be decided that way uh, in that last series. But listen, the, the East runs through Philly, and there's no reason to think you can't win. So, so um, you know, like I was saying, so Boston was able to steal a game from Brooklyn, and I could be looking too much into this, 
But to me, you know, Boston isn't a very good team at all. They're, they had a very, had a very bad year this year. You know, uh, obviously they have good players with Tatum, Brown, Smart, but they're a mess and they're not able to really put put a a good game together on a consistent basis. So the fact that they were able to beat Brooklyn to me says that there's a way to beat Brooklyn. You know, if you're the Sixers, for sure. Like, 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 if Boston can steal a game, I think the Sixers could win a series. Basically, is what I'm saying. Um, and, and and whereas Sixers come out and face Washington, who have very good, you know, are not a great team, but have very good players. Obviously, they have Beal, they have Westbrook. You know, uh, but 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 Philly comes in. We can we come in and just, I mean, absolutely smoke them every single game. So my comparison of that is, you know, to me that shows that Brooklyn has a weakness. They have a way to get knocked down. Whereas I, I, with with the Philly, I just don't see anyone stopping Embiid. I just don't see it. And if you can't stop Embiid, and you got Simmons uh, running the point on, um, you know, playing defense against whoever, taking out the top player on the other team every night. I mean, I, I agree. I think there's this team's a hard team to beat, and you know they got a great shot at the championship run this year, like you said. Yeah, without uh, question. And, and my last point here before we kind of move on to a different team is, I mean, you look at the way the Sixers have run this, uh, run this series, and if you look at some of that film and the highlights and all that, you really look at the way this kind of group kind of went about it, and you see Simmons attack early. And I think that's going to be a key to a lot of this. Is Simmons needs to stay aggressive. That opens up. And Embiid down low when Simmons attacks, and Embiid gets double teamed, and having Embiid and Simmons kind of run the floor inside has opened up Danny Green, Curry, and all these all of the guys knocking down all the threes, and even Harris. Like that's what's opened up behind the arc, and I think that's I'm interested to see as you move on here in the playoffs. I'm interested to see how these other teams adjust because obviously nothing Washington can do right now is working too well. Um, so we'll see again. I'm interested to see how the Hawks, especially the, the Bucks or Nets, if you obviously if you get there, how those kind of teams adjust to this. But Simmons has to stay aggressive, and I think he will. I think he's kind of learned that as well. Um, obviously, you're not gonna get the shots, but I think his aggressiveness is gonna be obviously outside the obvious and be playing well. But I think Simmons is gonna be one. Simmons being aggressive is one of the biggest keys to this team continuing to go far. I definitely agree. And look, just real quick, like you said, real quick. Um, I just want to point out that you know Simmons has been, was getting a lot of heat on the first game. I think he scored six points, and I'm the first guy who's been critical of Ben Simmons on him not finding his jump shot yet and all of that. But look, I think it's time. You just gotta. I mean, now is not the time to be criticizing things like that. In my opinion, in my opinion, if you're winning, you're winning, and what you're, if what you're doing is working. If Sim, if Ben doesn't need to score more than six points a night, but he gets 15 assists and can facilitate the game and you win by 20 points. What are we complaining about? You know what I mean? Like, like, like worry about him finding his jump shot next year, right? Like, like right now, whatever works to win the game, focus on that and just use that and, 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 and have that. Like, I don't care if they win the championship and Ben has 15 <laughs> assists and two points. You know what I mean? Like, who cares? Like, like I think people are just getting, trying to find something to get worried about and get worked up about. And, and I don't think now's the time. Uh, you know, I think now's the time to just enjoy it and like enjoy the run. Just enjoy. We we haven't lost a game yet, so <laughs> you know I don't think there's anything to be too critical on. You know, no. so just enjoy it, enjoy the run. Because if you're gonna be too critical about it, you know it's it's gonna it's gonna be harder to just be able to take it all in. You know what I mean? Um, Absolutely agree. But all right, so let's move on. Let's move on and talk 
you know, I feel like everything, everything moving forward is probably not going to be as positive of a conversation. Um, uh, but let's talk about the Philadelphia Phillies. All right. This, this season has been, I mean, very similar to me to the past two seasons, you know, uh, signs of hope, signs of this team is really good. And then signs of who, who's out there, who's playing, why are they playing? We Wait, so you mean it's game. not Gabe Kapler's fault? And Oh, so it's not Gabe <laughs> Kapler's fault. I don't know if anyone remembers that, but Andrew and I repeatedly have said that for the past two years, how hiring a Joe Girardi would not fix this team, how firing Gabe Kapler, you can do whatever you want, but that's not going to change anything. Gabe wasn't the problem. Gabe didn't create the issues on the Phillies. They go way beneath that. And look, this team... It's so frustrating because they have so much talent. You've got freaking Gene Segura, who's having a, a great year, right? Batting like over 300. And it, it's you have Harper, who was on who was on fire, looking like he was going to com- compete for the an MVP, top 10 MVP um, candidate. And then all of a sudden, right, Harper's, Harper's on the IL. The Phillies lie about it. We can get into that if you want. Um Phillies basically try to cover up that he's hurt and then come out and say, oh, well, actually, they don't say anything. They just put him on the IL. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Girardi comes out the day before and said, no, he's fine. He's got no injury. And then the next day, <laughs> Harper's on the IL. Okay, we've got that that going on. We've got the bullpen blowing games again. I mean, this team is just w- the most frustrating Philadelphia sports team to watch in quite some time. I mean, it's... It just what's frustrating about it is sure I didn't expect them to win the World Series this year and I didn't but I expected us to and I guess we're not it's not like we're out of playoff contention yet but Alex I I just expected us to have a little more I don't know something you know we were just so we're just so out of it sometimes it seems like like we'll we'll just go like in coast mode and lose it like five games in a row. And, and, with Harper on the IL, JT's on the IL, guys are getting hurt left and right. I mean, this city can't catch a break with injuries. It's absolute, it's insanity. And I don't know what's going on in Philly. There's something in the water. But, like, the Eagles' whole team goes down. The Phillies' whole team goes down. You know, the Sixers were injured for years. Like, like I don't know what the heck the problem is. But, but you know, these guys, we, we get bit by the injury bug. And on top of that, the guys who are playing – simply just aren't playing well enough. Outside of Gene Segura, he's having a good year. Yeah, I think the... Listen, I'll get into the injuries. In a, I'll start with the injuries because that's the quickest. I think one of the biggest problems with this team has been the injuries. I mean, you look at... Um, I've said this before to other people, and you look at this Phillies team, and I did the research on this, you know. I mean, Nick, you know by now how much of a stack I am. Stack I am and, like, looking at all the numbers and all that. The Phillies have not had... And I'm going to take out... For those listeners, I'm going to take out center field and pitchers because obviously those two have been the Phillies' biggest thing. Obviously, you didn't know which center field it was. It was going to be a platoon anyway. So you're going to I'm going to go to the other seven positions on this roster. You have not had those seven guys play together since May seventh. They wow. only played together twice this month in wow. the month of May, that's and I awesome. think that's that's where this team's been at. And listen, these aren't injuries like you know you lose your fifth. Or, you lose like your seventh or eighth guy on the team. These injuries, you had your four of your best five probably out of the lineup at one point in terms of uh, injuries. I mean, you were missing Gene Segura at times. You were missing 
uh, JT at times, missing Bryce Harper at times. You were missing uh, Didi Gregorius at times. So you're missing four guys, right? Four of your best five, uh, probably four of your top hitters right there. And that's not including McCutcheon, who's been in a slump. That's not including center field, who, I mean, call what you want. Yeah, Herrera has had a hot streak. But, I mean, we've seen that before from him. He's going to come back down to earth, and his average will be back to about 230 to 240 here in the next few weeks probably. But, uh, I mean, you look at these guys. So you've been through six, five, six center fielders already, and you're in the eighth week of the season. Like, this, it's incredible what this team has had to go through. That's just the hitters. That's not including you've had – you've already had four different guys or five different guys in your four or five spots in the starting rotation. And that's – and it cracks me up. Everyone's – Ripping on Joe Girardi again, and here I'm going to be the first one to defend him. Like, what what else is this guy supposed to do? Like, at this point, like I understand, yeah, he might have made a mistake, he might have left the guy in too long, he might have went to the wrong pitcher. But let me ask you this question: If you're managing this club, what uh, what reliever are you going to trust right now outside of Hector Neris to come in in the seventh inning and say get out of a first and third jam? Uh, I mean, I don't know, Nick, if you want to take a shot at that, but like seriously, what like outside of Hector Neris? Which guy has been really good, like been good this year to, to come out of those situations? Everyone ripped on him for playing David Hale. And and so he finally went away from that. Sam Coonrod's been terrible the last few weeks. Uh, Archie Bradley hasn't been the guy we thought uh, he was going to be. Jose Alvarado, he's good when he has his command, but you don't know when he's going to have his command. And Joe Girardi can't say, oh, today's, uh, today's a Monday, so Jose's going to have his command. Today's Thursday. He's not going to be on today. Like, you, you don't know until he's in the game. And now with the whole MLB rule, whether you like it or not, the three-pitcher minimum, this, the, if he doesn't have his command, he's stuck in there. Like, Girardi doesn't have a choice to remove him <laughs> within those three batters. So that's my point on the, that kind of spot there. I, I think the two biggest non-injury-related things this team has faced, and I don't know, is this a coaching thing? Do you have to go back and practice and do fundamentals? Or I don't know who, whose fault it is, but... The Phillies runs or defensive run saved is minus twenty six right now. It is by far, or it's the lowest in the major leagues. Um, for those, yeah, it's the lowest in the major leagues. Like it's really the worst in the league, minus twenty six. So this team's basically giving up twenty six extra runs uh, than what if their defense would uh, perform. So that's obviously been a big issue there. And Nick, I know we've texted about how bad the defense has been uh, on this club. And then the last point here before you kind of uh, chime in, the the um. Um, always, uh, my next point is situational hitting. I mean, you look at this, the Phillies team. I mean, I don't know if you would disagree with it, but you look at the box scores and you watch these games, the Phillies get hits left and right. It's not like we're not hitting the ball. Okay. It's you don't get the hits in the timely matter. I mean, well, I'm going to take today's game, for example. Uh, yeah, again, I was about, I was about to say today's game, but yeah, you we're, go we're, ahead. We're, we're recording on Monday uh, in the middle of the Phillies-Reds game. It's currently the bottom of the fifth, so maybe the miracle happens and we come back and win, which will be great. But the Phillies are losing six to one. Well, the Phillies are out hitting the Reds six to five. And I'm going to take two examples here. The first inning, you get two guys on, and then you grind to a double play, uh, and that ends the inning. But you get two hits in the first inning, and then the second inning, you get the first two guys on base. Vince Velasquez can't bunt the guy over, and he ends up striking out on a bunt. And then I think Herrera ground into a double play to end the inning. So right there, you had four hits in two innings and didn't have one run for it. So I mean, again, you can say what you want about the manager, but. What else is he supposed to do in these situations? So, again, the, my two biggest things for this team is situational hitting and defense. You have to clean those two things up. And I think you, can, I think this season, it's a long season. I think you can still turn the season around. Yeah, look, I, I think there's plenty of time to turn the season around, still complete for the playoff spot. You know, you need to get Bryce back. Hopefully he comes back healthy. I'm really concerned about Bryce, to be honest. 
Um, you know, there was some talk that he hasn't really been right since, if you think about it, he got hit in the head in that in the face. You know, some people think that something might be going on with his eyes. I hope he gets it checked out during this IL stint for his shoulder. But 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 I I don't know about you, but I found it bizarre that that happened and all of a sudden he can't catch a fly ball in right field. Like like, I mean, he looks like I do in my softball games when I'm trying to catch a pop fly. And look, I cost our team the game on a regular basis. And that's fine when it's soft, when it's, you know, old, old people softball games. But when it's Bryce Harper, you know, an all-star right fielder, I know he's not an all-star for his fielding, but he needs to, he needs to freaking catch these, these balls. They're, they're just pop-ups. Him and Herrera ran into each other the one game. I mean, like, are you kidding me? Like, you can't have that to your point about, like, their defense giving up so many runs. Like, you just can't have that happen. And then it's, it's been inexcusable. Um, you saw... Another another instance when Harper went back and misjudged the ball and it ended up going off the wall and it goes into a triple. Like, there was just countless. All of a sudden, in the last two weeks, like, you know, Harper just missing ball after ball after ball. And I don't know, maybe something with his shoulder was throwing off his rhythm and, like, maybe that's how it is. But to me, it, 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 I hope – I'm hoping that it's something injury-related that they can fix while he's on the IL because if he comes back and still can't catch a pop fly, I mean – what are you gonna do? Like, cause, cause it's not like you can move him around, you know, try him at a different spot. You know, I don't know what you're gonna do, but, but he, 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 he's got to get it right because uh, he, you can't afford to just have these pop ups in right field go for what should be an out to a triple or a double or something like that. Um, and yeah. like you said, center field. I mean, we all know center field's a mess, so we we don't have to, we don't even have to talk about it. But you know, um. Uh, I mean, it's it's a rotating door out there. Roman Quinn just looks like he's out for I don't know how long. Was it official that he tore his Achilles? Yeah, he's done. He's done. So, I mean, not that Roman Quinn was really giving you much. I think he was batting 167. And I feel for Roman Quinn. I hope he comes back, and I hope he somehow has a career. I don't know if it's going to be here. Um, I read I – read, I was reading the article, and it said five-year veteran, Roman. And I was like, five-year veteran? He's been <laughs> in, in on this team for five years? Like he's probably played like in a hundred games, like like, like five year veteran. I mean, I really feel for him. I know he had a lot of injury problems, but it doesn't seem like he has the the stuff to get a hit. You know, he's got the speed, and we all know it. But I, I wish he could figure out how to hit the ball. Um, and look, you know, I agree with you. I think injuries are the big problem because when you have Bryce, when you have JT, when uh, Reese is having a decent year, you know, when you have like a solid, your your whole lineup. In the situations where you get two guys on, you know, you don't have to stress about can we get that guy in. I think that you can have faith that Harper, Reese, or JT is going to hit him in. But right now, it's like you get two guys on. Herrera sometimes is batting fourth, <laughs> and and you know, I, I, what are you? You're just hoping. You're just hoping he's going to have a good day that day. Um, and you, but you never know. And 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 like you said, it's not. I don't blame Joe either. I don't think that you can possibly blame Joe. Every time I turn on the TV, literally every game, I feel like I see another a new name on this team, and I'm like, who the heck is Nick Maton or who was the catcher that was in here? Uh, you know, uh, Marshawn. And then for goodness sake, poor Andrew Knapp's getting hit in the nuts back-to-back games that I don't even know how he's still going like <laughs> this team I can't catch a break and you know what like like it obviously goes beyond that because with the pitching like you said uh, the relievers have not 
they've not lived up to what they were supposed to do. Archie Bradley, especially, like obviously being the biggest disappointment this year, and I hope he turns it around. Um, but I feel like how many times have I said about a different player, I hope he turns it around, <laughs> like in this five minutes of me rambling. So yeah, I don't know. I we'll think, I, like you said, there's plenty of season left. I'm not giving up on the season by any means, but um, it's discouraging for sure. Yeah, I think a big thing to remember, I mean, again, it's a long season. The, the bullpen pitched well to start the year, so I think they can turn it around. Um, yeah, to your point, and, and I think where people forget is, and when you mention all those guys, listen, these guys ex- performed to where they're supposed to be. And we, I know, Nick, we've argued about this before, and I'm a big believer in it. And um, guys got to play in their role. And, and you ask them, and, and I'll, I'll cross sports real quick. When we talked about the Eagles adding uh, a big-time corner at times and allowing a, a corner we have a playing number one who would be a lot better at the two- or three-corner spot just because he gets to play at where his actual talent level is. I, I'm a believer in that in the lineup, too. I mean, some guys aren't made out to be a three-four hitter, and and I think uh, you're seeing that with some of these guys as well. And you look at Alec Bohm, now, and listen, obviously he's having a down year offensively and defensively, but... He's going to turn around eventually, but a big thing is these guys need to get healthy. I mean, think about it. He's supposed to be hitting six or probably around six in the lineup, and now you're asking, with all these guys being hurt, when he really uh, started playing bad, you're asking him to be your, your top hitter and your four guy. And I don't think he was re- kind of ready for that uh, to happen. He was kind of thrown into that mix, and I think it's why I think it's too early to give up on him. I know I've seen some people say that uh, in our group chats and on social media, but it's way too early. I Luke. mean, yeah, way too early. I already, <laughs> I already caught him out once, so I wasn't gonna do it again. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I thought I think uh, I've seen on social media too, so it's not just him. But listen, the guy was second, I think, in uh, rookie of the year voting. He was just short of uh, rookie of the year, and, and it wasn't it wasn't a fluke. Uh, he's gonna come around. It's just a matter of when he adjusts to the game. I know they're gonna be working with him, obviously, but I think. He, he'll benefit uh, probably the most from getting this team healthy again, and we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, I will say, I, I don't think even if the offense gets going, I don't know how much is going to change if you can't get your defense right. I mean, there, there was just a play in this game, and that's why I like the defensive run save stats. Um, yeah, that's why I like the defensive run save stats because these these take into account non-errors. That's that's the funny part about this Phillies defense, and if you look at the, the kind of basic stats and look at the errors, the Phillies team's top 10 in, like, uh, not as many errors. But th- that's why I like this, because there's a play right now. Brad Miller misplayed in right field. He should have caught. It turns into a RBI triple, and then the next guy gets a single. And that's two runs there that shouldn't have happened. Uh, and that's where that gets into account. And, and that's where – I don't know what it was before Harper got hurt, but right field, I just looked it up, two years ago was plus 13. This year it's minus 5. Um, not including today's game, which we'll just have two more runs to that, so minus seven. So we'll see what uh, what kind of happens in there. But like, out like third base is minus twelve, shortstop's minus seven. I'm gonna stop there because it's just depressing at this point. <laughs> but um, uh, it's sad. I don't I don't think you've ever seen a team Phillies wise or not Phillies wise field this bad. Like yeah, you obviously see a couple games here and there, but not an entire season like this. I agree, and it's always something with this team lately, and, you know, they're really, really starting to lose my patience, and for some reason, I'm still tuning into every game. I swear, I'm like, I'm like the most Phillies'd up I've been, like, in my whole life, the past, like, few seasons, because I just feel like we're so close to to turning it the corner. Like, you get Harper, you get, you know, JT, you know, back for a long time. You know, we have the tools. It's like, these guys just aren't 
you know, we're not healthy on the same time. We're not, we're not coming out together. I agree with all your points. You know, it's just, it's just frustrating. It's a frustrating time for the Phillies. Uh, good thing we have the Sixers to watch. Um, right. uh, any final points on the field before we move on? I think we hit them all. All right. So next, of course, uh, we are going to be breaking down the beloved Philadelphia Eagles as we are, uh, uh, you know, had some OTA action. Uh, had had got to see uh, a few newbies in the Eagles black. I guess they weren't wearing green. I'm pretty <laughs> sure they were wearing black T-shirts uh, with giant white numbers. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. But yeah. These these they were an interesting uh, uh, attire, but. I guess you know they were cool. I, I wasn't the biggest fan of the new of the new jerseys they were wearing for practice, but hey, um, it was cool to see them out there in the Eagles colors. Um, you know, obviously there's not really much to break down from OTAs. I think you know they're basically just hey, how how are you? You know, I haven't seen you guys in a while. You know, let's get on the same page. You know, I don't think you're gonna learn too much, but I, it is getting me exciting for excited for the season. I think I think you're way more optimistic. Than I am. Oh, I can't I, wait. I know, and 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 I don't want to. I don't want to cool your 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 um your your optimistic vibe. But look, you know, I, I don't I don't believe this team is like okay, a playoff contending team. I but I do think that this team is going to be way more fun to watch than people thought um, before the draft. And I gotta get. I gotta say, I don't think you and I uh, are Howie haters to begin with. But you cannot deny that Howie Roseman has had a fantastic offseason. I mean, in my opinion, I, I, I don't think you can deny it. I wish Zach was here to, to hear that. <laughs> but, I, I mean, he, to me, he did just about everything you can do in this offseason off season for, for where this team was, what you were looking to get. Because, again, I don't think you're going into this year. Andrew, I know you have high expectations. I don't think you're going oh, into oh. Don't I don't think it's like, going into this year, though. My point is, with the expectation of let's contend, I think you're looking to just build a decent team and start at least evaluating what guys are going to be your core guys moving forward. And, of course, the elephant in the room, the most important thing, is going to be Jalen Hurts and whether or not he can um, take over as our franchise QB. So it'll be interesting to see for sure. Uh, first, I, I want to clear something up. Nick's making it sound like I think this team's going to the Super Bowl or something. You like, said ten I'm gonna, wins. I'm going to take said... take a step back here. Um, let's let's cool down here, Nick. Uh, I said, said ten wins. This team will be a division contender without question. Um, obviously pending health, but I who, think who won the division last year with how many wins? <laughs> well, you said they're not a playoff contender. They are playoff. No, no, no. they're a division well, contender. I was bad, genuinely asking. It was Washington, right? Oh yeah, yeah. seven wins, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it was Okay, first off, first off, I don't think we ever did a schedule breakdown show real quick. So, like, real quick. Oh, okay, we can get to that for sure. Real quick, uh, I mean, just a couple side notes. We have the easiest schedule in football this year uh, based off of last year's rankings. You get everybody at home this year uh, in terms of all the toughest games. Listen, I- I'm not saying you're going to go win the Super Bowl. Obviously, that's if that happens, that will be amazing. But – there's no reason why this team can't compete for a division. The time crown. I, what was it? I said the time to buy odds on the Eagles winning the Super Bowl is now, if you believe it. <laughs> um, I, I think this team is, will be a division contender. Obviously, it was a really bad division last year. I think the schedule is 100% favorable to this team, which is usually not the case. But 
I mean, I'm going to run it real quick down because now that Nick threw out my 10 wins, um, 10 win season. Wait, if you're, I, 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 I want to go break down the schedule. So if you want to get uh, into the we'll, schedule, we'll do the schedule last and I'll, I'll touch on okay. your point about Howie. I think, yeah, absolutely. I think this might have been Howie's best offseason with the Eagles, uh, with him like fully in charge in terms of, I mean, obviously, I think the Eagles were more Super Bowl ready when he took over. I think, obviously, people would argue that season. But, like, from what this roster was, I think he has done a phenomenal job. It wasn't like we were just a piece or two away this offseason. But, like, bringing in Ryan Kerrigan, tremendous pickup. Bringing in other guys and Carryon Johnson. I mean, how many times have we talked about bringing in a veteran running back? You, I know Carryon Johnson isn't, like, uh, a former Adrian Peterson or something like that talent level, but it's a huge step in, in bringing depth into this running possess, running back position, something we've talked about in the past of not really having for Sanders uh, once, obviously, some of those big names left. But you're going to have a huge running back competition here. Um, you're going to have – I love – I know me, I know Zach and I recapped the draft, but, Nick, you haven't really – I don't think you ever really gave your thoughts on it, but I loved what we did in the draft. Obviously, the second-round pick, we'll see if that works out. But overall – I mean, I think Howie did fantastic with a lot of these different picks. And I, I'm excited. And we'll see. I might be a little more disappointed in the next coming days. We'll see what happens with the Zach Ertz situation. But uh, I, I think if Zach Ertz is back, you have a group in Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, Ertz, and Goddard. I think uh, it's a young group for the majority of them. Obviously, Ertz is a little older. But listen, I know what happened to Rager with all the injuries last year. But I, I like what I've seen. Uh, with all the news from him in the off season, I think he's ready to, to get at it in the off or in this next season. And uh, I, I could, I'm excited. And I, again, I'm not expecting the Super Bowl, but I fully expect a division competition. And I think it's going to be there for this team. And, and we'll see what happens in, in the sense of after that. And don't forget, they added a playoff spot last year, so you probably will see a 500 team get that last wild card spot. And I don't see why this team can't be hovering around 500. Uh, no more, uh, no more 500 with that 17 game now. 17 yeah. games. Big, big uh, extra game there. To answer your question about the draft, I totally agree. I, I didn't give my thoughts on it, but I think how he hit it out of the park this year with the draft and the, the free agent moves he's made. Um, you know, I, I, I think, like I said, I, I'm excited for to see what this wide receiver core can do. Group can do. Um, I'm really excited to see Jalen. You know, Jalen Hurts come out and, and prove himself. And, and I think that the, I think the team has. I think the team has Hurts back. Like I, th- I think Sanders. And Rager, I think these guys are for Hurts, so I think it's going to be exciting. Let, sorry, go ahead, sorry, go ahead. I just want to say real quick on the on the backing up of Hurts. I, I think on the backing up of Hurts as well as I think Nick Sirianni has his back too. And I know he comes out and he says Joe Flacco is going to be in competition for the quarterback position, but listen, guys, that everyone can make fun of him, and everyone I hear it, everyone make fun of him. Like, does he really think that? Uh, no, he doesn't really think that. He's just doing that to to kind of. Get in, try to get Hurts to to feel that, and uh, I mean, we all know Jalen Hurts will be uh, pending, a, obviously preseason injury or something. We all know Jalen Hurts will be the uh, opening day or opening game starter for the Eagles come that uh, first first game, uh, which you know, honestly it's coming up faster than I, I I realized. It's only a few months away now, but I think Jalen Hurts is gonna listen. That's gonna be that's gonna be where it's at. I mean, we we talked about all the once drama already, but we'll see where uh, the quarterback plays this year and. I think uh, go, going on those lines that it's going to be a tremendous, tremendous fitting here for Hurts because of what Howie did. He, he For once, you can look at this draft and you can say the Eagles got a, a big-time weapon. The Eagles got uh, a big-time running back or, not, or just running back depth. 
The offensive line is going to be back and healthy. You get Landon Dickerson in the second round there, who was first-round talent. He's going to come in, and he adds offensive line depth, which you haven't had in a while. So even some offensive linemen, maybe someone goes down this time. I, this year you have depth there, and we'll see the way that the rest of the offseason plays out, and we'll we'll get into two big uh, roster move rumors here in a little bit. But, uh, no, I'm uh, I'm excited here for uh, what's what's to come this offseason and, and what Hurts will bring to the table. And I think uh, – I think it's going to be exciting. All right, so so let's break down this schedule real quick before we get into your final points on the Eagles, on the um, uh, rumors you were just talking about, uh, getting into. Let's break down the schedule before we get into that. All right, because I want to I want to pencil it in. Let's write it down, pencil it in, see where we're at. Um, all right, so game one, game one, uh, September twelfth, set the stage, September twelfth, twenty twenty one. All right. Beautiful 1 p.m. Obviously, we are not the Thursday game. We are Sunday. Right. <laughs> Look, it's looking great. Um, okay, Eagles take on the Atlanta Falcons at Atlanta. Give me a win-loss. Opening game, I'm going to go loss. Ooh. Oh, all right. All right. <laughs> I, I'm curious where these 10 wins are going to come from because that's a win for me. Okay, listen, I would not be surprised if we win. Um, but I think breaking it down, I mean, you got to remember, it's going to be his first game in the NFL in terms of Sirianni. They're going to be in a new system. I think it'll That's be a true. battle, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. Not, all to, right. not to try to take away a loss from you or a win all from right. you. We can't, we can't break, we don't have time to break down every single game, Like, but let's just, let's just hit WL, WL. Um, all right. 49ers. Oh, the next game is 49ers at Philadelphia, at the Eagles. What do you got? Win. I also have a win. All right. Uh, Eagles at Cowboys. Loss. I also have a loss. All right. Chiefs at Eagles. Loss. Also have a loss. Uh, Eagles at Panthers. Win. Uh, um, I think, real, uh, real quick. I'm going to win, too. I think this well. is equal as the Falcons game, and now with... The, the depth and stuff on, on the or the the um few games under their belt I think gives them the win. All right, I, I'm I'm going to win as well. Uh, Bucks at Eagles. Uh, loss. It was a little too long of a pause for me. You need to be quicker on that. That's a loss. I, I there's not anything to think there. Right, Eagles, at, out there. Eagles at Las Vegas at the Raiders. Uh, win. I got a loss. Uh, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I think the Raiders are always on the, uh, they're always, uh, on the fence of being good and, you know, not that they're a great team, but you're not gonna, you're not gonna win every one of these close games. So I got, I got them, I got them getting the L there. So, okay. Eagles at, uh, the Detroit Lions. Win. Lost Stafford. So who's their quarterback now? It's, uh. Jared Goff. Jared Goff. At Detroit, I'm going to go loss there. What's that? Uh, real, quick, ha- real quick, halfway through the season, let's give fans an update. Nick's got a 3-5 and five record, and I got a 4-4 four and four record. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. All right. So we're, we're, in, we're in the hunt here. We're in the hunt. Ballpark. All right. All right. Uh, Chargers at Eagles. Win. 
right, so you got the birds on a three-game win streak right now. I, I mean, all right, so it's Chargers. I mean, they don't. Yeah, at the Eagles, I got to go win, too. I got to go win as well. So you snapped the three-game losing streak. So you had a three-game winning streak, and I had a three-game losing streak? Is that how it was? Um, uh, yeah, just keep going. Eagles at Broncos. I'm going to go. That's a tough game. I don't. I don't know what the Broncos. I'm going to go win. I'm, I'm going L only because it's away. And I, 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 I don't. I think, I think, I think if you, if you had Doug, if this was a normal year, if you weren't re- like on a complete rebuilding year, I think maybe you win some of these games, but I just don't I think they're going to be close, but I just don't, I don't see them pushing out all these games. So I got an L there because it's an away game. Um, Saints at Eagles. That's a win. No true breeze. I, I don't think we lose to, what's his name? Smith. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. Taysom Hill. Uh, oh yeah, Taysom Hill. Yeah, um, I'm going L. I'm going loss. I, I the Saints. I admire, I, yeah, I admire your optimism, but look, the Saints didn't have Drew Brees for like almost fifty percent of the season last year, and they were one of the top teams in the league. We beat them last year with probably arguably yeah, less, but, less talent I mean, with all the injuries. Yeah, but we beat them like like they were on that huge winning streak. Um, I don't know. I don't think. I'm not saying we beat them like unfairly, like like that we got lucky, but you know it was it wasn't. A, I, I I mean I, I just don't see it happening again. I don't know. I don't know. I, I I it could happen. I'm not saying it can't. We beat them last year. Sure, we can beat them again. But I, I don't know. I just I think they're they're always a good team. They're going to be a good team this year. I don't think that without your breeze, they're really any worse. To be honest, I I I, I think. Drew Brees was like Peyton Manning at the end of his career. Not not his last season, but like Peyton Manning towards the end of his career. We're like, he's good, but he's, you know, you can start to see his age. He can't play every game. Um, and, you know, their backups last year did a formidable job um, uh, hanging in there and like picking the season up. So I think that they, they can have a good year this year. So I'm going to, I got to know. I got to know. But I, I understand why you don't. I understand why you don't. Um, all right. So Eagles at Giants. I lost. I also have the L. Um, Eagles at Jets. Win. I gotta go win. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't. Until the Jets show you anything, right? Um, Washington at Eagles. Win. I will also go win. Um, Giants at Eagles. Uh, win. You get the revenge game. I'm also going win. Eagles at Washington. Loss. I'm also going loss. And then to end the season, Dallas Cowboys at Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, wait. Uh, Did I miss one? No, I probably miscounted. Um, Eagle, Eagles win that. I also have win. All right, so let's see what we got here. One, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight. I have, I guess, eight yes. and nine. Is that right? Is that what you have for me? Mm-hmm. And Andrew has them 11 11 and six. Is that right? That can't be right. Wait a minute. Yeah, 11 and six. 
Is that what you have? I must have forgot to write down a game. I only got ten wins. Um, I got I got Andrews at eleven and six. Nick's at eight and nine. Okay, that's what we roll with. That's what we roll with. All right, Pets line. I'll, I'll, I'll find the eleventh win. <laughs> they're pen, they're penned in. They're penned in. That's our that's our um, that's our that's our uh, predictions for the season. I I uh, hey, I hope Andrews right for what it's worth. I hope Andrew Andrews the correct one there. And then uh, for those who don't know, might have missed it. Our bye week is week thirteen. There you go. Um, all right, so that, that Andrew, you have any final thoughts on the Eagles? Did you want to get into some rumors? Uh, yeah, we can do a quick touch on them. We don't have to go in too in-depth, but uh, we touched on before. Uh, folks listening, look out for Zach Ertz uh, news in the next coming days. The June 1st deadline there is t- obviously tomorrow, and uh, we'll see what uh, we'll see what happens here in the next coming days with the Zach Ertz stuff. I hope he's back next year personally. I know there's some I people well. out there that will disagree with us, but me, I, I like Zach Ertz, and I think this team is better with Ertz than without Ertz, uh, especially with the rumors if you just flat-out release him. At least if you trade him, you might be able to add a piece on defense. And then uh, I'm a believer. I don't know. We Nick actually have not talked about this, so maybe we say it for another show or, or, or whatever. But I'm a believer the Eagles should go after Julio Jones. I think it would benefit this team a lot. But um, how could you not want that? I I I want to. I can't. I can't imagine the conversation with someone who doesn't want Julio. Jones. Uh, a lot of people are worried about some of his injuries last season, and then. Him being another year older and Roll not, the believing, dice. <laughs> not being the, not believing this team is ready to win and it'd be a waste. Uh, but no, I think uh, my biggest thing is you, you made the mistake not adding weapons in the last couple of years. If you can pair a, a young Devontae Smith who you expect to, I mean, be a top receiver and then pair him with one of the best in the league and then have Jalen Rager as your three and kind of have him transition to the league another year, I think that benefit this group a lot. And talk about making it easier for a second-year quarterback, I mean – I'm sure Jalen Hurts wouldn't say no. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, I, I totally agree with your point. Both points there. I, I hope that Hurts sticks around. Um, I will definitely be sad to see him go for sure. Um, uh, and, and for who the Julio Jones conversation, it, like I said, in my opinion, uh, why not? <laughs> it's like, hey, do you want um, do you want this giant bowl of ice cream or do you, you know, want this salad? Right. There's, <laughs> there's like one that I really, really want. And the other one is like, okay, I'll eat it. <laughs> but but um, there's obviously one that's more exciting there. So um, I don't know. That's just my take on that. Uh, but I totally agree with your points there. Um, we'll see. Hopefully there's something to talk about with uh, Julio Jones, and hopefully there's nothing to talk about with Zach Ertz, and it's just business as usual, and uh, we're going into next season with Ertz at tight end. Uh, uh, of course, it looks like that if Ertz leaves, maybe the Eagles should go after uh, the up-and-coming tight end, rising tight end star of Tim Tebow, but we'll, that remains to be seen, I guess, as the Jaguars have have rolled the dice with Tebow on their core, their core uh, uh, roster. Uh, I won't. I won't even start because this would be a whole rant um, on the rumor I saw. If the Eagles do get rid of Ertz, on what uh, might happen at tight end, I'd uh, give us a snippet and we'll get into it next time. What is it? What's the what's the word? I did read something the, uh, earlier today that if they do get rid of Ertz, maybe you could possibly move JJ Arcega Whiteside to tight oh, end. Oh gosh, goodness gracious! <laughs> oh boy! Oh my goodness! I'd rather Tebow. <laughs> Not, nothing with the team saying it's an article, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see what uh, what the team's thinking. <laughs> yikes! 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 Oh man! All right. Well, uh, any final points before we wrap it up? 
Let's go Sixers. Get that sweep. I'll tell you what. Let's 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 uh, let's one more time. It. Let's go Sixers, huh? Yeah, buddy. All right. Clap your hands. Enjoy the game tonight, everybody. You'll probably already have watched it by the time this comes out. But enjoy the Sixers run here. Hopefully, it's a, next time we come on, we're talking about how they swept the uh, D.C. Washington D.C. Wizards as uh, we go to take on either the Atlanta Hawks, probably, or the New York Knicks if they pull off a miracle. Um, go Sixers, and uh, we'll see you next time on Philly Sports Now. Well, good Monday to everyone here from Philly Sports Now. I'm Andrew Santandro here, going to break down the latest week for you guys. Of course, usually I'm with Nick, Zach, and Luke, but the trio there is unfortunately not able to make it this Sunday afternoon when we recorded this podcast. You guys are listening, obviously, on a Monday, so hopefully it's been a good morning or a good afternoon whenever you're getting the chance of listening to listening to this. Obviously a crazy week, as always, in Philadelphia sports. You had everything this week, from closing out series to a tough series opening to a very wild week for the Phillies, from on the field to off the field delays to strange stuff. I'll break it down here in a little bit as we get into this deeper into this podcast. Of course, the Eagles and the Flyers, let's not forget about them, are in their offseason. We'll start with those two teams just to get them through and out of the way since it'll be a nice quick update. As far as the Flyers go, not much going on on the Philadelphia Flyers standpoint as the NHL playoffs still continue to go through their uh, postseason. Obviously, it's unfortunate the Flyers did not make it here in the 2020-2021 season. But the Flyers did have some recent news come out here in uh, this past week. Uh, the uh, NHL draft lottery did occur in this uh, past week, and the Flyers will be picking in the 13th pick here to start in this upcoming 2021 NHL draft. Where, of course, the Flyers will have a total. Flyers will have a total of eight picks this upcoming uh, draft, seven of their own for the seven rounds, and then of course the one from a trade they had, and they will have the uh, Las Vegas Knights uh, draft pick there in the fifth round to get that extra pick. But again, the Flyers. Uh, draft lottery happened this past week. Obviously, with the Flyers being mediocre, their uh, odds for a top pick wasn't so great. They ended up getting the 13th pick basically right there in the middle of the pack, uh, give or take a few picks there. So that's the biggest news the Flyers have had. You get your draft pick. Now you can start figuring out where you want to go. Do you want to trade up? Do you want to trade back? Do you know somebody you want to take there at the thir- 13th pick? We'll see. We'll break it down here in the future. Uh, that's basically it for the Flyers. They've had a couple... Different player rumors. Obviously, as always, you start figuring out who do you want to bring back, who do you not want to bring back. I feel like, once again, the biggest name here uh, in terms of young guys would be Nolan Patrick. His name has been thrown out 
quite a bit here in the uh, first few weeks of the offseason for the Flyers. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. He's obviously had an up-and-down time here with, with uh, Philadelphia. He's been injured. He's had some down games. We'll see what happens. I feel like uh, I think they're going to give him maybe another year to try to get things right here in the upcoming uh, season and maybe move on from him if he can't get going after this next one. We'll see what happens. Obviously, you get older there now at Voracek, Giroux, uh, JVR, you're going to have a couple guys in that sense. So you have to figure out what you want to do. We'll see what happens, and we'll get into that deeper in the offseason when I get some of the guys back with me as well uh, in that sense. From the Eagles' standpoint, Nick and I broke down last week. Obviously, you had the rumors there with Julio Jones. Let's start with that front because those rumors are done with. The Eagles uh, will not get Julio Jones. He goes to the Tennessee Titans, joining uh, Tennessee there with – a very good offense now. I mean, you break down that offense. We, we always, obviously, a lot of people look at who's got the best offense going into uh, seasons. Well, I think Tennessee's guy we talked about now. You got Ryan Tannehill con- continues to play very well since joining Tennessee. You have Corey Davis. You have AJ Brown, and now you had Julio Jones on the wide receiver front. Three very good wide receivers in that sense. Obviously, Julio Jones and AJ Brown being the two best out of that group and I think with that being said it's going to be interesting to see who they go with the number one quote unquote number one receiver in that offense which one they go with do they go with the younger AJ Brown or do they go with Julio it's going to be a very good off or good, very good offense there in that division setting up probably some offensive battles we'll see what happens with Deshaun Watson but you'll have obviously Watson there so he's been a good quarterback he'll, he'll run that uh, Houston Texans offense you have a, a rookie in Trevor Lawrence joining the Jaguars we'll see where they go in that offense then you obviously have Carson Wentz joining the Colts with with that group over there and Frank Wright which all, we also know that their offense has been pretty good in the past and then I got this Tennessee Titans team continues to improve uh, through the through these off seasons and, and they just continue to get better and we'll see what they're able to do in the AFC next year but yeah once again the Julio Jones to Eagles rumor has come to a close with that trade happening. Only give up they give up some other stuff. I think a fifth or sixth round pick, depending on what happens. But Julio Jones was a second round and that fifth or sixth round pick. So not too much there. I would have easily done that trade. I would have went as far as a first round pick if you're asking me. But anyway, Julio Jones is now a member of the Tennessee Titans. In terms of uh, the other rumor we talked about last week was Zach Ertz. What we're going to do with him? Listen. We keep hearing trade rumors left and right. We keep hearing cut, getting cut rumors left and right. But in the end, I mean, it, it seems to me it starts to quiet down a little bit. And I think maybe the, I think the team's going to continue to try to bring him back. We'll see if he shows up to, at the start of training camp, obviously, which is here in the next coming weeks as we uh, continue to move through the summer on uh, June 7th, this upcoming week. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm all in favor of bringing Zach Ertz back. I think he's going to be back at this point. I feel like if he would have been gone, he would have been gone by now, is my belief. But it's going to be an interesting situation. I'd say the top two destinations in my book, you have the Buffalo Bills and Arizona Cardinals, which are good trade partners there. You could do, They have a couple players. You could do a player swap. Former Eagle Jordan Hicks is over there in Arizona. If you want to bring him back at the linebacker position, that would be an interesting trade if you can get him included in that deal. So a couple options there with Ertz. In that front, I'm all in favor of bringing him back once again. I think this team's better with him than without him. And you pair him up with Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith, Miles Sanders, Jalen Rager, and company. You can start forming a very good offense, uh, offensive weapons there. As long as we can stay healthy, obviously that's been the biggest problem with this team, and we'll see where they go with it next year. But that, that's the main thing. The Eagles, obviously, Nick and I broke down the schedule last week. So we'll see who's, who's right in the end on that one. With, obviously, it's still... 
player roster moves to be made. We'll see if anything changes along those lines. But yeah, that's the main thing there with the Eagles and Flyers. Not much happening on their front. We'll see what's what's to come in these next few weeks as we continue to move through the offseason for both those teams and see what happens in the NHL playoffs. If you want to check out a good series, I'm a big fan of that Colorado Avalanche and Las Vegas Night Series. Two very good teams. Had a very nice battle last night. Uh, Saturday night, so go check that series out if you're, an, uh, meet, if you're like an average fan or whatever and you're looking for a good series to watch. I'd recommend that one. Let's move into the two teams in Philadelphia playing right now. Very uh, very interesting week. I'm going to go with, I'm going to start with, the, we'll save the Sixers for last, obviously, with that game finishing up just before I decided to record this, so a little, little still fresh off that one, some anger in that game, obviously. A lot of different people, I'm sure, feel that anger as well. But in, my, in terms of uh, the Sixers, we'll get that into a little bit. Let's go on the Phillies front. You had a uh, five-game week this week with one of your games being postponed due to inclement weather against the Cincinnati Reds. That game was moved to June 28th in Cincinnati, so that's when the makeup date will that be. As luckily, it will not be a doubleheader, so we don't have to uh, fold to that stupid seven-inning doubleheader rule. We will get a full nine-inning game on that makeup date. I will say that first game, let's start with that first game. Not the best game for the Phillies, obviously. You lose that game 11-1. to one. Uh, Tough game there. Then you bounce back in game two. You win 17-3. to three, And then you get, start the series with the Washington Nationals. You had a very nice, very solid expected pitching duel between Zach Wheeler, who's been nothing short of phenomenal all year, against the Max Scherzer, who we all know his history, and then will be as one of the greats in this recent decade of pitching. So... Well, all they both went out there and just dealt through the day. It was a final score of two to one. And you know what? I'm going to stop here on this game and, and go into a play that happened in the ninth inning because Nick and I talked about last week the Philly struggles. It's mainly coming from fundamental baseball that you're just not able to get right. And there was fundamental baseball in this ninth inning. You had a chance to tie the game. Reese Hoskins gets on base. He's on second. Nobody out. You pitch run for him, obviously not being the fastest guy. Which, and Travis Jankowski, which was a good move. Is what what you should do there in that situation. So nothing against Joe Girardi, but the problem is here is what happened with Jankowski on the field. He he tried to make a, a solid read when the ball skipped in the dirt. Alex Avila blocked it very well. Uh, Jankowski jumped off the base too much, and he gets he didn't get thrown out. That was the funny part. I've never seen a catcher run down a guy like that and uh, just tag the guy out at second. I mean. You figure you see the catcher run to him a little bit, and, and you force that throw, but he never forced the throw. So we'll see, or not? We'll, we'll see. We already saw what happened, and it cost the Phillies a run in that. I mean, you had uh, you, one of your best hitters in JT Realmuto up to bat, looking to tie the game there uh, to start that series at home, and you, you force yourself out of that situation, and you give all the momentum back to Washington. So you kind of killed the killed the momentum there for the team in the ninth. And it was a tough look, and listen, obviously he didn't want to do that, but. Yeah, it's a tough play, and you don't want to see that. So we'll see where they go in that that front. Uh, he got a pitch hit on Sunday. Actually, uh, singled up the middle, so he kind of he bounced back from that already. So we'll see what happens there. Game two, Phillies go down. Or game two of the series, Phillies uh, go down early, one nothing in that game until the until the, a big fourth inning where Andrew McCutcheon. Gave the Phillies the lead for good, going up 4-1 on Andrew McCutcheon, 3-1 homer. He seems to slowly start to uh, figure some things out here in this past week. A very good week for him, a uh, very impressive week for him. It kind of looks like the old McCutcheon we've seen in the last few years since joining the Phillies. 
He's had a couple a uh, couple home runs this week. In his last seven games, he's hit 375 with three home runs, eight RBIs, and three walks. So again, back to that McCutcheon we're used to seeing, which is a very pivotal part of this offense. Maybe he just wasn't uh, set out to be that leadoff hitter we saw in the past. You see him move from the fifth or sixth spot in the lineup this past week, and he, he's starting to hit the ball. So we'll see how long Girardi rides with that. And if Dubal Herrera, I guess you got to give credit where credit's due. He's looking pretty good at that leadoff spot. He's been the best hitter on this team for that leadoff spot. And he's uh, after a very slow start where he went 0 for 12 to start uh, his 2021 MLB season. He's started to pick it up uh, since then. He hit 323 in his last seven games, and he's brought his average up to a 273 in that leadoff spot. So we'll see what he's able to do as the season progresses. We've seen him go through hot stretches in the past. So we'll see what happens there. Game three, the Phillies pull off a victory as well. Another game where they put up double-digit numbers. Put up a 12 spot uh, in that game. Very nice offensive day for the Phillies. And Listen, outside that Max Scherzer game, which obviously is a tough one, this offense looks solid. But listen, th- this Sunday game, you talk, everyone mentions how baseball can be weird at times. Baseball is one of those odd sports or whatever. Well, Sunday was the definition of that one. It, it was a very odd delay a couple delays you had not even not even weather delays you had a delay the first one unfortunately it looked like the ump got a little shaken up he gets hit uh with a foul ball hits off jt and then hits straight in in his face mask and i don't know if he ended up staying in the game for that top half of the first inning but in the bottom half herrera saw a pitch or two and he kind of ran off the field meaning the umpire ran off the field causing a delay. He, I don't know if he got ill from being hit. Maybe a concussion kind of got him sick. It was 95 degrees, so maybe that played a factor in it. But it was a very odd situation. Hope he's doing okay. But uh, it caused the umpire delay because they had to go. We had, the game had to go from four to three umpires, so the umpires had to switch up. And someone had a, uh, knew had to go behind the plate. So it's a situation in that front where you had to switch those guys around and you had a little bit of a delay there. So then... As the game continues, Vince Velasquez, unfortunately, you lose, a starting, you lose the national starting pitcher. Vince hit him. Uh, we, Nick and I actually broke this down a little bit last week as well with all the guys get hit hitting in the face. And you see another one here uh, where Voth was trying to do a sack bunt there in the fourth inning. And, and Vince kind of, not kind of, Vince drilled him straight in the face from that sacrifice bunt. So an unfortunate scene there as well. Another odd moment in the game. And then before I actually break down, the, in the eighth inning, you had one of the oddest things I, I've seen watching a Phillies or a baseball game. And I watch a lot of baseball games, which uh, I think Nick Zach and Luke would all agree with. But I'm watching this game in the eighth inning, and all of a sudden you see the, the net fall. And the netting behind the plate uh, that protects fans that goes behind the plate and that goes up uh, and down the line there at first and third base, uh, something disconnected where they had to – the net falls to the ground and it caused a 20-minute delay as they tried to reattach the net and they they brought in some rope to uh, tie against some of the against the seating in the stands to kind of pull back up. It was a very uh, funny moment, especially knowing that everyone was safe and okay. No one got like trapped in the netting or anything. So it was a funny moment to look back on in that game. A very odd delay. So if you have not seen it, I, I would recommend going going and finding the video. It's pretty funny uh, to watch that, them go at that and then. Uh, Larry Anderson and Scott Fransky were actually <laughs> continuing to do play-by-play through the netting, and it was pretty funny uh, listening to that as well. So I- I'd recommend going and watch that. So, again, the Phillies with a 3-2 a and two week. You came into the week four games out of first place. I can't give you what the Phillies will be at the end of the week. As I'm recording this right now, the Mets have 
started. They currently lead the San Diego Padres 2 nothing there in that game. The Phillies, if the Mets win, they will stay four back, and you did not make up any ground. If the Mets lose, you will now be three back, and you obviously do the math, and that's you gain a game in, in this uh, past week, which you got, you're going to have to do. Obviously, a long season. Nick and I talked about it. season's far from over, and you just got to start winning games. So in that front. And then you had uh, another... Uh, Another uh, accolade there for JT Lamuto. Uh, hits his 100th uh, home run in his career, so congratulations to him. He becomes the third Philly to do so this season, joining Reese Hoskins and Brad Miller, who both did it a few weeks ago, hitting their 100th home run this season. Kind of crazy. Three guys there on the Phillies all did that in one year uh, within a few weeks. And then on the uh, pitching front, you had a uh, new pitcher make his MLB debut for this Phillies uh, bullpen and his name is Chris Sanchez, who was just called up uh, after I believe it was Chase Anderson and David Hale go on the uh, COVID list. And, and Sanchez came in through well. He's a lefty. Well, he's another lefty out of the pen. Gives you three right now uh, for the time being. Joining Jose Alvarado and uh, Ranger Suarez. Who speaking about Suarez real quick? He's been nothing short of phenomenal uh, this 2021 season. Obviously, has had an up and down career with fans uh, in terms of likeness, but. 1-0 this year, 0-year array, starts his 2021 season off with 17 straight scoreless innings. Knock on wood, we'll see what happens in this next week as uh, he threw three innings on Saturday in relief for Spencer Howard. So a nice move there for Swery. He comes up, pitches well. Sanchez looked pretty good. Uh, faces some t- tough Nationals hitters there. Strikes out Trey Turner for his first MLB strikeout. Goes up against Juan Soto as well. So a couple guys there. Sanchez goes up against that he dealt with very nicely as he uh, throws two innings in two innings in his MLB debut. And uh, obviously he was he was on the mound there for that a for the netting incident. So he he had it all. He had it all on his first MLB start. I'm sure he will not forget that for that reason as well. So uh, congratulations to him on that start. But the Phillies will end this week 3-2, and two, like I said, uh, three or four games back of first place, trying to catch up and catch those uh, New York Mets here before the season ends. So I think uh, yeah, that, that wraps up pretty much the Phillies talk. Again, Andrew McCutcheon had a very good week. He's starting to heat up a little bit. Reese Hoskins has entered the top 10 for most RBIs uh, in the season this year. So he's uh, playing pretty well. Adubo Herrera, again, he's, he's hitting the ball well. So we'll see what he's able to do. Harper. He came back on Friday. He had a, a good series here. In, uh, or excuse me, came back on Saturday. He had an RBI in that first game back on Saturday. He had a hit in the game on Sunday as well. So maybe you're seeing a little bit of the old Harper before that slump, right before he went on the IL. So the Phillies, 3-2 and two in the week, go up uh, with another oddly five-game week next week. Uh, don't ask me why. I didn't make the schedule. But uh, it is very odd to see they have off twice in one week. Uh, being a mon- Monday they have off, and then on Friday, a very odd Friday off day once again, second of the season already. I don't, very odd to see. Haven't seen that much in the past either, but it's baseball, so expect the unexpected in that sense. So the Phillies have three against Atlanta Braves at home, and then two against the New York Yankees at home as well. So that that's just again another strange week. But you get some fun teams in there. We'll see what what the teams are able to do. Obviously, you have the Atlanta Phillies rivalry. You have Atlanta and the Hawks, or yeah, you have Atlanta and the, and the Sixers and the Hawks going at it. So a couple battles between Philly and Atlanta this week, upcoming week, and then of course always the Phillies and New York rivalry will be renewed as well. 
with those two games on Sunday after or Saturday afternoon and then Sunday afternoon there. So I will predict a three and two week once again for this Phillies club. I'm gonna say they take two or three against Atlanta and then they only win or yeah, then they split against New York Yankees on Saturday and Sunday. So that that's gonna be the Phillies talk there. I'm gonna move into the Sixers talk now. Listen, Nick and I Try to predict the sweep. We failed at that, though, as the uh, Wizards stole game four against the Sixers. And then the as Joel Embiid had a very scary injury, which I'll break down on how he looked with it. No one was quite sure what he was going to be able to do against the uh, Hawks, if he was able to gonna go in the series or whatnot. But listen, he ends up sitting out game five as the, as the Sixers pull out game five and win that one, uh, to win the series four to one, setting up the showdown with Atlanta and uh, Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks. First, early game one thoughts. Even with the injury, I thought Embiid looked nothing short of phenomenal. He was fantastic uh, that, in that game. 39 points, 8 rebounds on a, a slightly torn meniscus. So a lot of credit for Embiid battling out there. You know he wants nothing but to get the city a championship. A lot of credit to him for doing that. I know that's uh, probably far from easy, and, and I'm sure a lot of pain throughout that game between jumping up and down. So we'll see what he's able to do as the series continues. Obviously, it will still be a concern in that sense. But overall, Sixers struggled. They came out and looked very flat to start the game. I, don't, I think they kind of took Atlanta a little bit lightly, maybe. Uh, maybe they're still feeling pretty good about that Wizards series. But I thought the Sixers came out a little flat. Uh, they didn't get off to a good start. You give up 42 points. We always talk about the Sixers' defense and how good it's been this season. Well, the uh, Sixers struggled in the, in this game. I mean, you got 42 points in the opening quarter. You up 74 points in the opening half. You're down by 20 at halftime. What, what went wrong? If you ask me, uh, I'll break it down. And to me, what what happened was the Sixers weren't ready. They uh, weren't ready for a lot of different matchups. I thought a couple things offensively gave them trouble. They they rushed a lot of things. They they were trying to do too much. I don't think for whatever reason they weren't playing team basketball as we've been used to seeing. They had nine first quarter turnovers, which I I mean we know we we've been used to turnovers in the past, but that that's uncharacteristic. Nine first quarter turnovers, not first half, not game. First quarter turnovers, nine, where the Hawks went up fourteen to two in turn uh, points off turnovers, taking a fifteen point lead at the end of that opening quarter, which was built to a 20-point game at the break. And the, the Sixers made their halftime adjustments. I thought Doc did a good job in making halftime adjustments. See, they climbed back in the game a couple different times. A wild finish. It looked like the Hawks were trying to give it away a little bit. The Phillies were able to fight through. Or excuse me, sorry. The Sixers were able to fight through a couple things. They got it down as close to two there in the end, but a clear path foul uh, put made a four-point play or four-point possession for the, the Atlanta Hawks to put the game out of reach as the Sixers could not catch up after that. Main thing here was the turnovers. You can't turn the final score and the turnover front was 18 turnovers in the NBA, especially in a playoff game. You might be able to beat the uh, the, the bad teams of the world we're used to seeing like the, the Thunder this season. You might be able to beat them with 18 turnovers, but you're sure not going to beat... Maybe you can even escape the first round with 18 turnovers. I don't know. But you're sure are not going to win a second round game if you're going to have 18 turnovers. Unless if you force 18 turnovers on the other end. But you didn't. So in that sense, the Hawks were able to go out there, get the win. And uh, 
a lot of different reasons. I mean, Atlanta shot the lights out in this game. I don't know if they're going to do that all series. They shoot 42% from three. They hit 23 pointers, 20, 20 of them, four of them from Trey Young there, which he killed the Sixers today, 35 points. He had 25 points at the break, and this is where he's interesting. Doc Rivers decided to go roll out Danny Green, Danny Green on uh, Trey Young to start the game. I know Green's a good defender, but I don't know why you didn't have your best defender, one of the best in the league. What without question will be a first-team uh, defender this season. Is a is a defensive player of the year finalist. For whatever reason, they did not have him guard Trey Young, which caused problems. They had, Trey Young had Danny Green's hand against 25 points in that opening half, and then the bench was abysmal to start this game before you kind of got them going. So the Hawks go on a 17-0 run to really open up this game as the Sixers look dead in the wall. Look dead. They looked dead in this game after that 17-0 run. And then it was at halftime. And Doc makes his adjustments. You climb back in a little bit. The second half, you look better. I will say that. You look better in the second half. A lot better as you climb back in. You only lose by four points in this game, so it looks like a respectable respectable score at the end. But again, you were down by 20 most of this game. I think the largest lead got up to 26 at 57-31 to 31 at one point. So you had Seth Curry finished with 21. Joel Embiid finished with 39. Tobias Harris with 20 points. Again, he continues to play very well this postseason with another double-double. He has 20 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals uh, in this game. Ben Simmons finishes with 17 points. I mean, we're going to continue to talk about it. And listen, I'm on the front. I've been on here. I've been on other podcasts, and I've conti- and I've been on Twitter. Continue to say Ben Simmons not shooting is not his issue. It will come down to in this game again is the foul shots. He's got to be able to hit his foul shots. And today it wasn't just him. There's a lot of different guys. You missed 11 foul shots overall. I mean, think about that. You just you shoot 68 percent from the foul line as a team. As a team, you shoot 68% from the foul line. Not good numbers there. You need, you need to make uh, more foul shots than that. Yeah, Ben Simmons go 3 for 10 from the foul line today, 30%. So that's obviously not a good number, and that's where this team got, got hurt. I mean, it really hurt him today. The, the 11 missed foul shots, you think about that. You just make four of those, th- uh, four of those 11 misses, and you're looking at a tie game. You send in overtime. Danny Green. I'm sorry to call you out, but I'm gonna I gotta point this kinda to him today in that game one loss. A couple different three point marks, three pointers killed momentum. He misses there. Goes 0 for 4 from behind the arc. Two for seven overall, and again, defensively, which is not there to what we're used to seeing. Overall in the series, I think he's gonna be fine. I think he'll he'll be just fine and get you to win. And help you get wins down the road. Sixers drop game one, 128 to 124, like I said earlier. Overall in the series, I think the Sixers are still going to win. It's not panic mode yet. It's a series for a reason. Yes, you struggled in game one. But listen, this kind of reminds me of the 2019 series against the Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, this Hawks team is better than that team. But I think you kind of overlooked your opponent here in game one. You got the wake-up call you needed. And I think the Sixers will bounce back here, assuming you can stay healthy and have some a lot of those guys play. But I think that, again, it's not panic mode just yet. The Sixers will be fine. You can go out here, take game two, even the series up, steal one in Atlanta, and you get the home court advantage back. And I think the Sixers win this game and uh, win the series in six. I originally thought five. I just think this pushes the games back a little bit. 
as the Atlanta stole one here. I thought the Phillies or the Sixers, man, excuse me. I thought the Sixers were going to take the first two in Philly and then one in Atlanta and then game five wrap it up. But I think this pushes it back a little bit. You just got to take game two now. You steal one in Atlanta again and then you take the next two, one in Philly, one in Atlanta. So again, Sixers win in six is my prediction against the Hawks here. I think the Sixers will make the adjustments needed. Danny Green, I think, will be fine. He's the guy to look at in this game just because of the 0-4 from three, a couple momentum-killing threes, and I think uh, the Sixers move on fairly well from here and will have a very, very uh, good closure to this series as we await and see what happens on the other series in this uh NBA playoffs because NBA playoffs have been very good, very good as well. We have a game seven happening as I record this right now in the Mavericks and Clippers to wrap up the first round for the NBA. You already have the Brooklyn and Bucks, uh, long awaited matchup. Uh, already got started Saturday with uh, Brooklyn won game one. Well, as James Harden left that game early, he will, he's already ruled out for game two, which will be Monday night. And then, of course, the Sixers game two will be Tuesday uh, night with uh, the series going forward from there. Again, tough opening game. It's all right. It's going to be okay. No panic. Don't hit the panic button just yet, folks. It's all going to work out, and the Sixers will still find a way to come back and win the series. Just to, to break down the series a little bit for everyone, Tuesday is going to be game two at uh, 7.30 Eastern time on TNT. Friday will be June 11th. Again, the series the series will shift to Atlanta. The series will shift to Atlanta there on Friday evening at 6:30 as well. That game will be on ESPN. And then game 4 will be Monday. A time is not released out for that yet, but it will be Monday, June 14th on TNT. Then it will be Wednesday, June 16th back in Philly for game 5 on TNT. Game 6 if necessary, June 18th. A Friday, and then of course Game Seven, if necessary, Sunday, June 20th, at Philadelphia, if it happens. Again, that's the series breakdown for the Sixers. I think again, you just make the adjustments. I think you need to put Ben Simmons on Trey Young to start the game. It's going to get you off to a quicker start. You don't have to run him out on Trey all game because yeah, it's going to take some wear and tear and tire Simmons out a little bit. Simmons was out there in post game saying he wants to cover Trey Young, which I think is really good to hear from him. I think again, as long as you guys start the game on him, get comfortable, get the momentum in the game early on, and then maybe switch some things up before putting Simmons back on him in the fourth quarter. I think this team will and needs to get better help from the bench. Again, the, the run that 17 to run the Hawks had, you saw a bench lineup in there. I think uh, they look better, a little better in the second half. Maxi kind of came on like he has in, in Series 1. So we'll see what happens. But Sixers, I think, in the end, will win this series in six games. We'll be back later on, uh, probably next Sunday, to break down where this series is at. Next Sunday, we will be through three games at that point. Three games. So we'll see. Hopefully, the Sixers... By that point, take the next two and are up 2-1. Hopefully, we're not talking about being down 1-2 or even 0-3, which would be very depressing. But we'll see what happens. Again, this is another wrap-up from Philly Sports Now. This is Andrew, Zach, Nick, and Luke representing Philly Sports Now, breaking down all the latest Philly sports news as the brothers continue to give you guys the Philly content you need. Thanks for listening. Please 
please help us get better by giving us feedback, reaching out in any way, any topics you want us to talk about, any way we can improve. We're always looking to improve and give you guys better content and, and knowing what you guys want. So thanks again for listening to another episode of Philly Sports Now.